1: Welcome back to the Lantern Recycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. If you're watching on YouTube, this is just a Tour de Swiss recap of Stage Six. We've, on podcast players, we've also got the Tour of Slovenia Stage Three recap. A Tour, of Swiss, tour de Swiss, Tour Swiss. First, <laughs> why this is eight stages? I'll never know. It's kind of insufferable torture right now. <laughs> just make it five or six. Come on, come on, Tour de Swiss. Just five or six. You don't need. You don't need eight. You don't need two TTs. Take yourself down a notch. All right. We just had the Dauphiné, where the second tier GC contenders for the Tour de France warmed up. You've probably got Alaphilippe deluding himself that he's going for TDF glory as a fourth tier contender. Anyway, my gripes aside, this stage was 130 kilometers. 100, yeah, 130 kilometers long. Starts with a 8.7 k climb, 8.3 k climb at seven percent, and a long descent and valley section, and then. It's like a parabola. And then they do a, probably the longest climb of the race. So Lukmanier Pass, 18.2 k's at 5.6% descent and then a sort of false flat but a bit steeper than that, 7 k's, 3.5% drag to the finish in descent Sedrun. So before coverage started, Benji, there was absolute mayhem. We're looking at the live trackers on PCS or the race website, Twitter. What the hell was going on?
0: Yeah, we saw an early move by uh, one of the GC riders, Julien Alaphilippe. And, uh, well, he lost 20 seconds yesterday from the from the bottle incident. But he seemed to be very fired up to get started and uh, rampage on the moment that the race started on the San Gotardo climb because he went in the break, was together with teammate Cataneo there. And it took a while before the actual group that they were in was completed and it ended up being a four-man group in the descent portion of the sangotardo they kept that up for quite a while and the gap was pretty decent i think it was above two minutes at a certain point and then it went down and went down and it went down and the moment that uh alaphilippe got caught everything started happening this was at the foot of the uh is it luke manier's pass? uh the second yeah. climb in the race um well everything happened there because attacks were flying left and right and it's a bit unfortunate because we didn't see the attack of Alafeli properly on camera at all which is just a bit funny but um <laughs> <laughs> well no one knows why he
1: dropped back i mean he's in a group with Catherine yeah, with the caught, Cloak. 7 on well he, apparently he sat up or maybe had a mechanically oh. it makes no sense uh, I don't. I was very confused by. It. No one really knows what happened because there wasn't any commentary on the GCN feed that I was also watching via VPN because the rights distribution for this race is an absolute shambles as well. But anyway, Alpha philippe doing Alpha things. Who was the first to attack? It was Dela Cruz, Benji, or oh, no? It was um. It was Krohn actually off from the base attacked and Sören Kraa. Yeah, indeed.
0: They they started attacking very early. And that was uh, because just after that, a large group formed at the front of the race, like 29 people in total. And I think they tried to get away from that group as well on the climb itself. They tried to uh, push pedals because a rider like Sören Krandersen needs to try and force it on a steady wattage instead of a, an acceleration at the end because he's better at that first aspect. I think Kron could probably do both of them a bit. We've seen him do both already in his... Uh, racing so far and just behind the 29 man group there was the peloton based by by inios at uh, a very moderate pace the gap went up to three minutes from that breakaway to the peloton no one super dangerous except for like antoine Tolhoek in there as well who was on i think two minutes or three minutes in gc before the stage started so could play a role if they uh let the gap go out even further but that eventually didn't come into play fun fact i was actually listening to this in japanese because uh, next to vpn issues there was also some translation issue because there was no english commentary on gcn for the uh, first portion of this race so that was an interesting experience because i don't know japanese at all so um yeah i didn't hear what was happening from the commentary so i had to like focus on the race itself. A lot of attacks. So then you know, tried again later to open up things. And Matthews was also trying to get in second or third position there. And eventually then got dropped when uh, we saw more moves by certain Kranderson. But what was the first like decisive attack in the front group you'd say?
1: I think that the big sort of group that went into the base of the last sort of, I'm going to call it a climb, uh, was Fabro, Tollhook, Paulus, and it was Fred Wright. And it was saying on the tick, there was also ticker issues with uh, their transponders. It was saying it was Pernsteiner. I was looking at the guy, I was like, that guy's six foot two. That is not <laughs> Pernsteiner. It was Fred <laughs> Wright, the British lead out man for Bahrain Victorious, who isn't actually, a, a, I thought he'd be a Slovenia, leading out for uh, Bauhaus, which is what he's done to, for great success this year. But he was in the break. Anyway, he was in the, that group sitting on. Paulus was working a fair bit. I think the the main attacks on that last climb were Kosta as well as, who is his Ua De La Cruz. They were catching De La Cruz as well, but he was pretty much cooked and Pernsteiner. So, Pernsteiner caught back up to them and then he had a group with Pernsteiner, Kosta and De La Cruz and I don't know if here she was in the group as well, Benji. I can always see she in the group as well, but Pernsteiner was doing most of the work. He can't win from the finish, from the sprint, uh, but he gets caught up with by Andreas Krohn, the man who originally attacked. And so we have a group of Pernsteiner, Krohn, and really – Costa and behind you've got riders like Paulus, Hugo, Latour, Serrano, Fabro, Toluk, and Lechnersund. So some pretty good climbers, guys we might see like Paulus I think is going to, well there's no race on his program, he was at stage hunting at the Tour de France last year, nearly won a couple of stages but yeah, group with Krohn and Koshta way quicker than Pernsteiner. So what are you going to do if you're Pernsteiner there Benji because really this final climb doesn't, offer you too much particularly the last K is pretty much flat
0: well he's pretty fucked isn't it like (laughs) i don't even know what he can do there's nothing (laughs) he can do he can't attack early because they're going to counter him you know that (laughs) and if he attacks then he probably won't have the acceleration to stay away because he's not exactly the most accelerative rider. so you're basically just the rider that is going to do the lead out today and you've you've said to yourself with 5k to go i ain't winning this i might as well do these other two a favor and let them figure it out themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah, he I mean he tried a couple of times to it to his credit, but he's a small guy, he's a pure climber, and this finishes wasn't steep enough for him. Coste has won G C at Tour de Suisse multiple times. Andrés Cron, you might remember from the first stage in the Tour of Catalonia, Volta Catalunya at the start of this year. Remember that stage in the break with Kemner, Sanchez and Remy Rochas? He won in a sort of Upset at the time, his first win, I think even it might have been his first World Tour race, he beat them in a sprint in a reduced group. So he's quite quick, not to be underestimated for all I know you all listening remember that. uh, But maybe Rui Costa didn't because he leads out on a pretty, you know, drag and and drafting is very important on this finish. It's not steep. He leads out Andres Krohn on the right hand side. As usual, we've got a slightly right hand bend, bending, and then it straightens up for the last 125 meters. Kosta on the right barrier jumps early. Krohn gets slips into his wheel. Kosta knows he's in his wheel. Pernstein is gone. Kosta then swings, big swing from the right barrier almost all the way to the left-hand barrier. And it wasn't in a fluid movement either. Krohn's in his wheel trying to come out of his wheel to the left-hand side. And he he starts to close it like Damar did to Sagan a bit last year in that Giro stage when he didn't get relegated. And then I think he does. He checks under his shoulder a couple of times and he would have known Krohn was there. And then he has another sharper correction to the left. It forces Krohn. He doesn't break and he doesn't stop pedaling, but he definitely takes the power off the pedals for a a fraction of a second as he has to course correct, go to the left sharply, and then try and go back up the space on the left-hand side. And uh, Koshta wins over the line. Benji and I immediately were like... (laughs) Red card, 100% sprint deviation, should be relegated. Krohn is furious straight away. You can see him. It's in the Corvost on YouTube shouting at Costa. Costa doesn't look back at him, doesn't even react to say, what are you talking about? Which is, you know, I think that was telling that Costa didn't do that. Secondly, Costa barely celebrated. Thirdly, a Portuguese fan offered him a flag at the finish. He didn't take it. I think Costa knew what was going to come. But, yeah, do you see it as a... Remind people what the rule is, Benji, for the um nineteenth time. The moment that you are after
0: launching your sprint, you're not allowed to deviate from your lane, and in doing so, endangering another rider. Now, this rule has several issues. First of all, a deviation was definitely present here. The second thing, danger, that's an issue because that's subjective. What is dangerous is pushing someone to the side or forcing them to evade. Dangerous, I'd say that it definitely could be seen as dangerous today, and I think that it should be applied. But in some occasions, we have situations where it's not as clear, where the gap between the two riders is a bit more, and then it's an issue. So The danger part of this rule is completely undefined and completely subjective, which means that a rider basically has to choose, uh, I should probably crash right now instead of evading, otherwise his deviation is probably not going to get punished. And Today, they luckily went on the right side of the coin and actually put in the fact that Costa is getting relegated from this, which is good, but there's been so many other occasions where it has been on the other side of the coin. Yellow Philippe one last week, the deviation there, yeah, let's be real, it was dangerous in my opinion, because it's a similar situation as today. Matthews had to stop pedaling or he would crash. Kron had to evade or he would crash. And there's two decisions differently. Alaphilippe did not get a relegation. And your boy today, Kosta, did get a relegation, which I'm I'm all for. They should both have gotten a relegation. But the problem here is the rule. The rule is not defined enough to actually say that the people who, who are saying, oh, Kosta wasn't really endangering Kron," well... It's difficult to say. I say it's dangerous, but someone else might interpret danger differently. So that's issue one. The second issue is one that was reminded to us again by La Flamme Rouge on Twitter. It's a prisoner's dilemma. If you deviate, if you're costa in this situation. If you deviate and you get caught, you're going to be sent to the back of the group, which is fat. So you lose. If you don't get caught, you get the victory. But if he doesn't deviate, he gets second. So might as well deviate, right? The rule basically incentivizes riders to go for the deviation because the punishment is nowhere near
1: enough the current system the game theory sort of rational decision is to deviate if you're going to lose if you don't deviate then you should deviate because i mean geez i'm of the view that if crone doesn't um, isn't angry visibly over the finish line if i presume lotto sadar go their DFs marches straight to the tent of the uci commissaires and say hey guys this is 100 deviation need you to look at this right now and sort this out if those two things don't happen i think there's a pretty good chance that costa isn't relegated yep. we saw is this worse than the MP deviation which literally crashed standard the other week at andalusia like I mean, in terms of the element of danger, Standard <laughs> literally got crashed. Like, so, the danger element was definitely present and Impy definitely deviated from his lane. He was definitely sprinting. So, um, it is inconsistent. I'm glad they got it on the right side of it today. and knew exactly what he was doing. And, uh, I mean, there's other – again, we never know what – because there's no transparency in the applic- application of the rules. So, maybe like we, we'll talk about this We were going to talk about this. Sagan getting fined for obstructing a rider. He got, there's like two different rules they could fine him or penalize him under. Like maybe they fined Koshta for obstruction. They
0: probably didn't hear. Probably not. I think so. The problem with obstruction is that if you're going to start taking it too seriously, then a lead out like Merku, who's sprinting in the way of others on purpose a bit slower, is technically obstructing other sprinters.
1: And then we look at the Belgian tour today, so the stage uh, that Caleb Ewan won. Caleb Ewan goes from the left side of the road all the way to the right side of the road all the way back to the left side of the road. Why is that okay? Um, And I don't have a good answer for you. The only reason it is okay is because he didn't endanger someone because Ackerman couldn't come out of his wheel. And I guess – so, yeah, it doesn't really work. Maybe the – I think the rule basically should be like Caleb you start and you sprint on the left, sprint in a straight line. That's end of story. Um, yeah.
0: And additionally, next to that, like the entire system with the UCI is also a bit botched because they're super intransparent about everything. You've got the situation in Belvoir's Belgium tour today with the steer of uh, Beat Cycling Club. They've got this special steer where you can like support your, your, uh, your forearms on the handlebars, for example. And well according to a document that Thomas Le Hent received, a PowerPoint that he shared on Twitter, that specific steer is literally on the PowerPoint saying that it's not allowed, but today in the race it is allowed because they checked with the UCI and they said nothing about it. So that's also an inconsistent application. The people that are the officials of races are not consistently knowing every single aspect of the rules, which is an issue, because if one UCI official says it's right and the other one says it's wrong, then there's some problem with the uh, well, the fact that one of them is wrong. And that should not be the case if you're an official in a, in a race like this. You should know the factual rules. And yeah, that's clearly not the case in some occasion. But it's also annoying that they are not allowed to respond on public matters because UCI comma, officials are... Are forced to uh, forward every single um, critic to the official UCI communications. uh, Yeah, but I email them.
1: I email them asking, and they don't. They don't say anything. Um, You know, and I remember I emailed. I did the one time I did get a response was about the uh, FulSang leak last year from Cardiff. I got a sort of the response that all the media got. It was interesting though to see just finishing off the sprint deviation stuff. uh, La Flamme Rouge put out a a poll quickly and i was i actually laid costa on bed. i'm a, I'm such a degenerate it's like it's getting it's getting bad now that live betting's allowed in Andorra, not in australia i laid costa because <laughs> you could the result wasn't finished after the finish because i was like they will relegate him the public said 80 percent yes that costa should be relegated should be relegated uh so i actually don't think I think most people want sprints to be cleaned up, Benji. I don't think seeing people swing from side to side fills anyone. It doesn't make it any more entertaining to me. I don't think it fills anyone with joy or increases the entertainment. I think, um, yeah, I think majority of people, maybe if there's an investor, you want to invest in, Benji and I will start up a consultancy business for the UCI. We will become the UCI VAR. Um, Everyone will get relegated that doesn't ride within a two-inch, Sort of no, no, no. You, got to, you had
0: to stop after relegate. Everyone's going to get relegated.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll redraft. Oh, I, we should redraft the rules. They need those rules redrafted. Yeah. But anyway, Twitter Swiss stage six is done. Stage seven tomorrow is the ITT, the second one. There's a bit of controversy about this as well on Twitter last night from Magnus Beckstedt about whether this is safe. It's from Descentus to Cedru, uh, starting in Decentus to Drun, finishing in Anderma, 23Ks. And it's literally straight up and down a mountain, um, but not an out and back. It's down the other side. It's over the Oberal Pass, 9.5Ks at 6.5%. The gradients are very regular. The controversy is regarding the descent finish um, because it goes through a series of hairpins. I'm not sure how steep it is, uh, but there's also a tunneled hairpin, I believe, uh, which is could be a little bit sketch, but they'll be on road bikes and, um, yeah, I think – Hopefully everyone's okay. I mean, if you if it's dry, I don't think most of the guys who aren't competing for GC won't be really pushing it too much. Who have you got for it, Benji? Because Dennis won't be on the TT bike. Is it Carapaz who gets the advantage back doing this on road bikes? Hmm. I hope to see Dumoulin
0: do well. I just don't know if he is remotely near a form to do well there. But I would. Does just he love he do it, to it
1: on the TT it? bike? Yeah, <laughs> he's the he- only
0: rider crazy <laughs> enough to do it on the TT bike. <laughs> <laughs> it's he so fucking it. funny but uh, yeah that's one of the names that I would love to do well but I'm completely unsure about I don't think that the flat tiers will be uh, up for it I think that I want to try and uh, say Iran for this one as a bit of an outsider I feel like an uphill climb a descent why not to Iran
1: yeah to win <laughs> you'll have to take a lot of risks or put yeah, it yeah. very hard on the descent um, that's what people were having the issue with and does Carapaz want to do that with the Tour de France so close? Do you think Alaphilippe will push it, Benji, yeah, on the descent?
0: I think they'll, they'll also push it. Carapaz, Alaphilippe, they're going to try and win this race. Like, yeah, it's a race they want to win. Uh, I think that – I'm curious what Matthews would do on this time trial because he's good at, like, shorter time nah, trials. Nah.
1: But the climbing section
0: too hard here,
1: right? I'll be betting on Jakob Fulsang to win this stage, uh, depending on when the odds come out. Really? I think, yeah, I think he'll push the descent pretty hard. And I mean, I don't know the odds yet. If he's two dollars, no, no, obviously I won't. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I still think Carapaz and Alaphilippe are more likely to beat him. But steady climb, not too steep, and then pushing it on the descent. Road bikes, have been in good in the TTs. I know it's not a, a TT bike, a TT, but. Powers you got the eleven on she- the time trial an eel, perhaps, like he got third on the time troll. Yeah, I think we're going to see some weird results tomorrow. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting to watch an unusual TT like this. So tune yeah. in for that, and uh, otherwise check out our Tour of Slovenia video and Tour. Oh, and you can continue on if you're on podcast players now. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson and the small animal. If you're watching on YouTube, this is the recap of stage three of the tour of Slovenia. A great stage today. I really, really enjoyed the last 25 kilometers of this from Brezice to Crisco, 165 Ks long, and it's all about the Sremić climb 4.3 Ks at 5.6%. That crests 21 Ks from the finish to short uh, descent then straight into a 1K punch of 6.8%. Then it's ascent and then false flat sort of run into town of about 12 or 11 kilometres. So difficult to control. The order of the day would be Bike Exchange trying to drop, I think, you know, trying to set up Stannard and whether really Bauhaus would be dropped on that climb, who is the best sprinter in this race. But we had a breakaway as usual angie including the man i liked for the finish but he got in the break Restrepo.
0: <laughs> yeah it seems like the last few years we've had uh, a bit of a an odd type of rider in him because he had decent conti sprints but he seems to go on to the attack a lot more recently and he was there together with monaco uh not a rider living in monaco but he is uh actually italian we've got also cipeda but not the invisible giro man cipeda it was jefferson alvaro i don't know if they're related I think, I'm guessing they are, but I'm not sure about it. So if anyone knows that, drop it below. I'm curious to know. But um, he was in the break as well for Caja. We had Sergio Araiz and Kenny Molly in the break, but that breakaway wasn't going to do much today. They eventually got caught when Bahrain started pulling in the peloton earlier on, which I found intriguing because I dare to say that on this stage, it would fit them more to be uh, playing defensively.
1: Maybe Bahrain just accepted that Baunhaus is going to be in trouble. And I don't know. I thought I thought it was going to be a really messy race after those climbs because we saw yeah, on stage two when Pegat, the stage Pikachu won yesterday, I, I expected it to be kind of controlled on that climb. Absolute madness. And he broke away. So it's a bit more loose, this race, it seems, than a normal World Tour race. Yeah. yeah. When did Drishtrepper get brought back? Was it on the base of this uh, Strimmage climb? Yeah,
0: it was just before it and the attackers all got caught at that point. Well, Restrepo was the final one indeed that tried to attack away from the others in the breakaway and it didn't take long for UAE to try and take control on that climb and they went to the front and they started hitting it, but not necessarily with like Rider is pacing at a godlike tempo. They actually tried to attack with Micah in the earlier parts of the climb and I found it interesting because like. Micah attacks, and in the group we see that nobody instantly responds, but it takes a good 10 seconds before Trotnik tries to bridge up. What do you do if you're UAE, if, for example, Micah and Trotnik are at the front? Do you just let them go and try and... Yeah, but Trotnik is a better sprinter. Like, what do you expect then? Are you just going to, like, not chase them anymore and hope that it goes? Luckily, Astana was taking over in the peloton and closed it down again. But, yeah, I found it an interesting dilemma whether that two-man group would be Good for UE to
1: let go. I mean, yeah, we already saw Bauhaus dropped. It seemed like Bahrain were like, okay, we've got Mohrich and Tratnik. Let's not sacrifice to their two opportunities. They're great attackers, great finishers at in this sort of field for Bauhaus, who already was lingering at the back. I mean, Bike Exchange did, as we said yesterday, they hit it from the base. The problem was it was one guy this is a what is it 4.3 4. k's the i'm not sure who was on the front apologies to him he did a great job he absolutely split the field but there was no follow-through there was no second rider to attack and i think kanga there controlling might have helped but yeah they got lucky i think bike exchange that uae didn't do what benji was suggesting which was you know given that mike has gone up the road with Tratnik, maybe it's a better idea to have someone else counter that or bridge across because Tratnik's beating Micah head-to-head. Luckily for them, Astana wanted Javier Romo to have a go. I think that's their their rider. He attacked. He then got brought back by UAE. I think they allowed uh, Vergard Stefa-Langen to come back. So there was lots of attacks flying on this climb, this Stremich climb. I think if Pogacar attacks he gets. He doesn't get brought back. I, I don't see him getting brought back at the attack, but he didn't today. I think he decided to ride for Ulysses or uh, Trenton. Trenton eventually caught back up to them. I'm not sure whether it was in the, the descent off the Shremich climate. It was pretty yeah. much all together. Then the last punch, a lot of opportunities here again for UAE to try something. they got Polans, Micah, Vergard Stecklein, Ulysses, Pagaccia, Trenton, six guys I think when at at a certain point, Trenton obviously wasn't in a condition to attack straight away. He was at the back of the group. But I was like, got Aberastri, Stannard in this group and Morich, you'll see he's not winning the sprint, like not even close to winning a final sprint against those guys. Micah didn't look strong enough to do anything. And so if you don't attack on that climb and try and send attacks with various riders that you have, you're going to be trying to control an, an, a difficult 11 case with a large-ish group with riders trying to attack you. What would your play have been there, Benji? Because they did have, you know, narrow roads. They, there were opportunities for them to lose the wheel and have further riders attack. And I don't think a starter would have been strong enough to bring them back straight away.
0: Yes, certainly. And I think there's multiple parts to this. Firstly, I found it intelligent that they waited up on Trenton first while Hulgaard was off on his YOLO solo adventure for a bit and eventually they called back up to Hulgaard the second that Trenton was in the group. That's uh, a small part I wanted to add because I think that's a good strategy that they did. And a bit later, they seemed to fold completely towards Trenton, like you mentioned, and I would not have really chosen that because we know that Trenton has had properly weak flat sprints in his life, and recently, I I can't even remember the day where he w- did a flat sprint properly because in the Tour de France, it was always 7th, 8th, ninth in those sprints, and... That's just not really the the kind of thing you want to have if you want to compete against Aberasturi in a, in a flat sprint, who also is able to get a top five, top four in, in VELTA stages as well in, in a flat sprint. So yeah, I wouldn't have completely trusted Trentin, and you've got the upper hand numerically. So I would try to play that out. There's one opportunity that I see in this race where I was like, you should not do this. I was shouting at my screen like, don't do this. And that was when Donald Kangard decided to try to try and attack away from the group. And that is a bike exchange riders try to uh, reverse lead out for Stannard. So forcing the other teams to have to close him down and Stannard could just sit in the wheel of the uh, people that are trying to close down Kangard. But UAE responded to that with one rider. I think it was Micah but I'm not sure about it getting to the wheel.
1: Could have and been there was, a lot
0: of, was it? Sorry?
1: Could have been Jan Pallance. It was yeah, the, very the possible. small guys.
0: Very yeah. possible. And um. At that point, the gap was like 10 to 15 meters. And the second UAE rider decides to close it. But at that point, I'm like, you've got a situation whether you either sprint against Trenton in the peloton, well, with Trenton against Aberastri and such in the peloton, which I don't trust. Or you can have the person you've got with Gangert try not sprint Gangert, a rider that is a time trialist and doesn't exactly have a good sprint at all. I would have put my money on trying to have Kangard do that attack. Just sit up in the peloton. Others need to close it. Probably was going to get closed eventually because Kaja still had two team members for uh, Aberastri there to try and close things down if necessary. But it offers some play and opportunities like that are opportunities you want to try and use to make sure that the other teams don't have teammates anymore and the next attack might work then, or the next attack. And you've got so many riders in that group that you could have done so much more than just do a lead out for Matteo Trentin here. That's my case.
1: Trattnick attacked late, and that weakened the UAE train even more. So Trattnick attacked, and they have Morridge behind, so they a reverse lead up for Morridge. But yeah, Pogaccio leads out Trentin. Trentin going first through that right-hand bend, kicking with a little bit early, and then Aberastri comes out of from deep. I think he was on Remy Mert's wheel and uh, kicks around him and beats Trenton easily and it's actually Moritz getting the draft off Aberastri comes to his left-hand side and just comes a little bit late Aberastri too quick second to Bauhaus nearly beat him on stage one I think that was the big indicator of how quick he is right now in a flat sprint Uh, and not you know he Bauhaus is pretty good at like two pro this this sort of level and Aberastri a little bit different would have been there so Kind of played out as we expected, given that we saw him come over the climb. Here's the top 10. Aberastri, Moritz, Trentin, Mertz, Askov, Pallison, Shaw, Munoz, Carboni, Strakov, Romo, Hulgaard, 11th. Now, the interesting question, Benji, man, you mentioned and told me to look out for Hulgaard. Could he have won or got third or something in that sprint if he hadn't attacked, sort of with 12Ks to go? I think a top five is definitely possible. I won't say that he would have won this sprint,
0: but... I found it intriguing because in stage one, he also went in the breakaway instead of trying to go for the sprint. Perhaps he just doesn't have the confidence in a sprint, which I'd say perhaps try it because he's had some decent sprints in the past. And I was just surprising that he tried to go for that attack. But I think it was a a decent opportunity because it was indeed that moment that UAE was subtly trying to wait to get Trenton back at the back again. So perhaps a way to try and counter that. But... It's difficult to do that. One name I do want to point out is someone that has been on the uh, back ropes of the groups in the last uh, few days, but is still looking decent in GC. A Slovenian rider in his home country, Christian Hochevar. He uh, is in the white jersey in this race. And um, he's riding for Adria Mobil, riding really well. I'm very curious what the guy will do in the future because he's uh, still a pretty young man. Uh, he is 22 years old and um, was second in Kudla I think. Uh, a week or and a half ago or something so definitely talented and can definitely climb so just curious i wanted to throw that name in there
1: yeah there's a few young guys looking good james shaw for ribble uh sixth in this sprint is actually quite a good result he was sixth yesterday as well he was on lot of until 2018 he's trying to work his way back into the pro tour right he seemed to join world tour very early he was a trainee in 2016 when he would have been 19 years old uh, maybe he's developing a little bit later. So I feel like he's a guy who maybe in 18 or maybe next year, if you're looking at his power numbers and how he's going at Slovenia, could be a guy uh, to make the jump at least back to pro-conti level, definitely capable of riding at pro-conti level. And I think somewhere like YOLO would be a good fit for him as well with races they do. Uh, but, yeah, an interesting – I really, I really like the last 20 kilometers. Interesting tactics. I think – Maybe UAE, Benji, this is good that they did this in that they won't make this mistake again in sort of world tour level for Trenton um, at the Vuelta. You know, at the Vuelta, he, if they get into this sort of situation where you see more regularly these reduced groups, like would you back Trenton to beat Magnus Court in a sprint head to head right now? No. No. I'd, so, yeah. <laughs> I think that
0: court is better. It's a difficult situation because, like, if you're in a group with two riders, instead of like five, then I would have tried to go for Trenton. But if you've got five people, you might as well try and play around a bit because if you, for example, have Trenton respond to the attack of Trotnik, there's no other team that can bring you back. No other team will bring that back. And I think that those are the kind of opportunities that can be seen, although that specific example is a bit in hindsight, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, if you if you see our Discord message receipts, we we can't get accused of hindsight 2020. I think, yeah, he's a, a really good, I think, maybe last kilometre attacker would have been a better option if UAE have multiple riders in a group in the future. But no matter, I mean, they won the stage yesterday, which they might, well, they probably did expect, and Pagac is leading GC by over a minute. Tomorrow's stage is the big one. It's to Novogorica, 163 Ks and it's all about the Ravnica climb, 2.7 Ks, 11% straight into the final wall, 2.4 Ks, 13.5%. This might be the toughest finish in pro cycling this year. Let me know if there's any tougher. Apparently there's gradients over 25%. Just, really, just brutal. And, uh is probably winning this stage. I think over 90% <laughs> chance of winning this stage. UA will control it. And, Who'll get uh, second? Come on, Let, let's do this. Who'll get second? That's a good idea. Good, yeah. so, I mean, I like Stedman because he's he won GC at Tour of Antalya. He's really small, a good climber, but I'm not sure. Maybe it'll be... Who's that land you mentioned? The the young one on Andrea? Pachavar? Is he a good climber?
0: He, he seems to be a good climber, but... He does have the opposition of a Sobrero, a Carboni, and so forth. So, it might be difficult.
1: I think Yanni Barakovic, top three. Okay. Looked that down is Roman. I know Roman Kreuziger is in this race as well. Zakarin
0: <laughs> <It's> <current laughs> as well. And we saw him uh, again at the back of a group in a descent today.
1: Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. I mean, yeah, if Zakarin wants a Watts per Kilo test, and tomorrow, but you need to be in good position after the short descent from the Ravnica climb. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, Kangut maybe could go okay. Pure climber. I will see Tratnik, the uh, Zonklan, Clan <laughs> <Zonklan> Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, it's a. I'm trying to look for like a. I don't. I don't recognize a lot of the names. But yeah, Pagash is the out-and-out favourite. He should extend his GC gap tomorrow in the Tour of Slovenia. Until then, we'll have the recap afterwards. Ciao.